Hello, hello. My name is Taylor. You might recognize me from the announcement videos with uh, such classics as, have you downloaded the New Life NWA app? Or maybe, uh, have you registered for the student ministry pasta and pie auction happening on April 10th from 5 to 7 p.m.? But in all seriousness, I do want to talk about that event real quick. Uh, We started advertising about this pasta and pie auction happening in a couple weeks, and several of you came up to me afterwards and like, what is this? Uh, And it didn't even dawn on me that we haven't done this event in over three years. The last time was 2019, and a lot of us have joined New Life after that last event. And so you might have heard a little bit about it, but I just want to share with you what it is. So the pasta and pie auction, it's a fundraiser for our student ministry. We send our students to CIY Christ in Youth, one of our ministry partners, uh, to a conference during the summer. We also uh, take our students to camp over at Maranatha Bible Camp. And these events uh, are are supported by this fundraiser. Students work this event and they earn money to help towards those trips, which are are very impactful trips. And I love our summer events because those help set us up for the school year. And so the things that happen over the summer, especially camp and CIY, launch us into a strong year where where we get to develop and work with our students over those impactful weeks. And so you guys get to be a, a part of that. So there's a few ways you can help support the student ministry. Step one is you can you can buy tickets. They're $5 a person. That gets you in the door. That gets you a pasta dinner, a salad, breadsticks, and a very entertaining night. Uh, and if that's all you do is buy a ticket, come eat dinner, that's awesome. Is that would be great. Uh, you, will, you will love it. You'll get uh, $5 well spent. Um, but on top of that, you can also buy pies and desserts. We call it a pie auction because that's easier than like pasta and desserts or cookies and cakes and all that. It's just shorter. Um, but it's all types of desserts. We have cakes and pies and cookies and brownies uh, that will be auctioned off at our silent auction and our live auction. We have an auctioneer, a professional auctioneer come, and he just makes the whole night a lot of fun. Um, But for these desserts is we need your help with these desserts. You have the opportunity to provide these desserts. I'm not talking about going to Walmart, grabbing a a roll of Pillsbury uh, cookie dough and and cooking that or one of those pecan pies off the shelf. No, I want you to dig in your recipe book and pull out like grandma's super secret chocolate cake, uh, the one that that everyone wants some or that dessert you make for Thanksgiving that everyone skips the turkey to make sure they get a piece of that dessert. Those are what we want. Uh, Bring those. You can sign up to, to bring those for that night or just bring them uh, sometime on Sunday or that evening, and we're going to auction those off. And so we'll have tables in here for our dinner and for the auction, and you can bid on that. You can share with your table or eat a whole pie or cake by yourself. Like, I would do that. I love I love dessert, especially if it's selling peanut butter. Um, and so you can do that. Sign up. Have your life group or your family, your friends sign up, and you guys can start showing up at 4.30 and grabbing tables to sit together for that event. But it is an amazing event. It goes to support some amazing things. Um, and you're going to have a blast. And our students, you'll get to see them as they serve and work and are a part of our church. And you get to put a face with the student ministry, which happens on Wednesday nights. You get to see them in action. And it shows you, hey, I can start praying for these events over the summer. Like God would start moving in them in the next few months. 
So I only have, last time I checked, it was like 90-some tickets left. Once I sell out, as, as we are out, like we can only fit so many people in here unless you like sitting, standing, uh, eating up, or sitting, standing up, whew. Uh, unless you like that, then, then come on. But if you want to see, I only have 300 spots for that event, so you want to buy them before they sell out. You can do that on our website, newlifenwa.com slash events. Um, so do that. Uh, last week, Pastor Joe left off with Joseph being in front of Pharaoh, and Pharaoh had two dreams, and they were the same, uh, similar dreams that had the same meeting. And so it said that there's going to be seven years of plenty of, in the harvest, and followed by seven years of severe famine. And so Joseph tells Pharaoh, hey, you need to start storing up as much food as you can during the years of plenty. It's going to be like miracle grows just raining from heaven and everything's just going to, to grow and you're going to have so much. Start storing that up as much as possible so you can make it through these very hard seven years. And so Joseph says, hey, pick someone, Pharaoh. Don't, don't worry about this yourself. Put someone in charge of this. Take this off your plate and let them start doing this task. And Pharaoh thinks, well, what better person than Joseph? And so he puts him in charge. He brings him from prison to the palace. And Joseph goes to, from being a prisoner to the second most powerful person in Egypt, pretty much the world. And things start to happen just as Joseph interpreted the dreams. As the seven years of plenty happen, and they're just having food upon food upon food. And they start throwing it in storage buildings. And they're measuring, counting how much do we have, counting the grain. And eventually they get so much, they're like, Forget counting it. Just throw it in there. Shut the doors really fast, kind of like you do with a closet. Uh, and so they do that, and the seven years of plenty happen, and Egypt is set and high on the horse. They are prepared. And then the years of famine happen. That's where we're going to pick up in chapter 42 of Genesis. And you can follow along. We'll have the, the scriptures on the screen. We'll have, you have a, a Bible. I, I took one of the Bibles out of the seat so you can find that or in the app as well. Um, but we're going to pick up in chapter 42 of Genesis and look at verse 6. Jacob is, he learns that, that grain is available in Egypt. And so he, he, when he learns this, he goes to his sons and he says, why are you staring at yourselves? Which is a dad thing to say to your kids. Like, why are you just sitting around doing nothing? And so he says, go to Egypt, buy grain, keep us from dying. And so he sends off 10 of the boys. He keeps back Benjamin. And I, I think it's because Benjamin is the last thing he has of his favorite wife, Rachel. Is he's lost Rachel when, when Benjamin was born. He, he's lost Joseph, assuming that he was torn to pieces by an animal. And so Benjamin's the only thing left of Rachel. And so he says, I'm keeping Benjamin back. The rest of you guys go because if I just take my eyes off him for just a moment, something bad could happen just like it did Joseph. And another reason, last time he sent off one of his favorite children with the rest of the brothers, that brother never came back. And so he decides to hold Benjamin at home and send the other 10 to Egypt. And so they make their way to Egypt. And let's look at verse 6. It says, Now Joseph was the governor of the land, the one who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them. But he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? He asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. 
Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. Let's look at the timeline real quick. So Joseph was sold into slavery when he was around 17 years of age. He interpreted uh, the cupbearer and the chief baker's dreams around 28 years old. He interpreted Pharaoh's dreams at 30 years old. Then you have the seven years of plenty. And so he's between 37 to 39. We know that they're no further than two years into this famine. And so he's between 37 and 39 years old. And people change a lot in 20 years. Joseph recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. You think of someone who, who from the age of 40 to 60, like they don't change drastically like someone from, from a high school student to a grown adult. Joseph ha- has grown up. His brothers look the same. They still have beards. They might be a little longer, maybe a little grayer, maybe a little more gray hair on the top of their head, maybe a little li- less hair on the top of their head. But, but Joseph, the last time they saw him, he was 17 years old, just learning how to drive a camel. And, <laughs> and now he's a 37-year-old grown man. T- take me, for instance. Over the last four years I've been here at New Life, I've changed a lot. If you would see me when I first got here, I had a top knot, which is a man's version of a ponytail. Uh, I've done high and tight. I've done beard, no beard, shaggy hair. Uh, I've done all types of hairdos, and I've changed a lot. But but you still kind of recognize me a little bit. Well, I decided to go find a picture from about 20 years ago for me. If, if, if this was the last time you saw me was this image, you wouldn't recognize the man standing up. Check out this picture up here. I'm the one on the left, uh, but that, that's me. Like, there's some people in this room who knew me 20 years ago, and they're like, oh, yeah, of course that's you, but, but that's what I used to look like, giant glasses. I, I wear contacts now. I thought those glasses were cool, and I got to seventh grade and realized girls did not. Um, I used to tuck my shirt into shorts. Now it's just in a dress pants, leather sandals. Like, I was not the, the king of fashion back then, but... If that was your last image of me, you, you wouldn't recognize me today. I think it's safe to say it. And that's what's happening with Joseph and his brothers. He remembers what they looked like because they had a lot of similar uh, things, similar features. But he's changed a lot. He's been, he's been in Egypt. He's probably tanner. He probably has a, a beard now. And he doesn't look like they pictured him. And so... Joseph is speaking to his brothers. And as he's speaking, as they're bowing down before him, he remembers his two dreams that his brothers would bow down before him. And it's funny because his, one of his dreams about just the brothers bowing was their sheaves of wheat bowing before him. And now his brothers are bowing before him, coming to buy wheat from him. And Joseph sees these dreams playing out before him. And further on in the chapter, he continues to accuse them of being spies, of coming to see where Egypt is weak. And he, they reveal to him that, that they're not spies. They're, 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 they're brothers of one man. They're, there's 12 brothers. One is with their dad and one is no more. Now, we don't know this from the Bible, so I'm going to speculate just a little bit. But Joseph has been soul as a slave by his brothers. He, he's been accused of sexual assault. He's been thrown into prison. And, and I would bet over these 20 years, at least once 
he's had the thought cross his mind, if I ever had the chance to enact my revenge to my brothers, oh, the things I would do to them. He's had time to plot and to plan. What, what would I do if I was the one in control? And now you look, they're in Egypt. His brothers are bowing before him and he is in control. He's in charge. And this second most powerful man in Egypt can do whatever he wants to these Israelites. If he wants to throw them in prison, if he wants to make them slaves like he was, if he wants to murder them, no one would bat an eye. And he has them right there. If you were Joseph, how would you react in this situation? Think about the person who's hurt you, who's wronged you, who's done some evil against you. If you were in Joseph's position and you had that person right in front of you and you're the one in power this time, you're the one in control, what would you do? What would you do if there was no ramifications for your actions? How would you treat that person? What, what choice would you make? I, I think we have two options. Option one is you get even with them. You, you treat them the way that they treated you. You give them a taste of their own medicine. You ask them how they like them apples. And I feel like Joseph might have had this temptation. He insists that they are spies. And if they want to prove their innocence, they have to leave nine brothers in prison and one go back and retrieve Benjamin. And that will prove their innocence. And then he throws them all into custody and he lets them set for three days as he's planning and plotting his revenge, I'm speculating. And as he's decided, man, what am I going to do first to them? Do I, do I throw them in a pit and then, and then throw them into that and then, and then sell them to some slave traders? Do I make them go to prison? Do, do I, what do I do to them? And then after these three days, I feel like his conscience starts to get the best of him. I, I feel like this might be the time, and again, I'm speculating from the Bible, but I feel like this is the time he gets the notion where he thinks, man, e- even though God didn't cause my hurt and my pain, maybe he's using those things for something greater. And he starts to look back over his life. During the time as a slave, he thinks, I I learned how to manage someone else's possessions well. And that's really been helpful as the second in charge of Pharaoh's possessions. In my time in prison, I, I really learned how to work with difficult people. And that's been very helpful as I'm working with people from all over the world who are coming to buy grain from Egypt. He thinks about the years as a father. He goes, man, I see what a father should be like, how he should treat his sons and how two brothers should get along, how they should treat one another, how how I need to treat my wife. He thinks about all these things that he's learned. And Joseph realizes that, that all these experiences, both bad and good, have shaped him into who he is today, which is a God-fearing, righteous man. Have you allowed God to shape you into who you are today? Or have you allowed your experiences to shape you into who you are? Have you allowed God to shape you into who you are despite what you've been through? 
Or have you allowed your experiences to shape you into who you are despite what God wants to do through you and through them? Zig Ziglar, motivational speaker, he he says this, you can't get ahead if you're trying to get even. And so Joseph chose option two. He chose to get ahead. And through Joseph's life, we see that his choice he makes here through all the pain he went through, all the suffering that happened, he chooses to get ahead and we see that that God can use grief to bring about his glory. What grief are are you carrying with you? That that terrible thing that you're holding on to that happened to you that you you just can't let go of it. Like, no, I, I can't forgive them, I can't forget, I, I, this is me, this is who I am. What is that thing, that pain, that you won't release? Even though God didn't cause that hurt and pain, maybe he wants to use that for something greater in your life. But you have to let go of it and give it to God Now, I'm not saying that after you give it to God, you forget about it. I don't think Joseph ever forget about the betrayal by his brothers. I don't think he ever forgot about being sold as slavery or accused of a sexual assault or being in prison. He remembered those things, but he didn't let those experiences define who he was. He let God define who he was, despite his experiences. So, so will you let God define you or will you let your experiences do that? Look what Joseph does in verse 18. It says, on the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live for I fear God. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back to your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. This they proceeded to do. They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen. That's why this distress has come upon us. Reuben replied, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. They did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. So Joseph, he decides to let them go. He has compassion in his heart and he holds on to one brother and he lets nine go. And he says, bring back Benjamin and I'll know that you guys are not spies. And he hears this conversation about their guilt, that, that they have carried what they did to Joseph 20 years ago. They're still carrying that today. And he starts to think, maybe my brothers have changed. Maybe something's happening in their life. Maybe God's been working on them over this time we've been apart. And, and the, the men who threw me into a pit sold me a slavery are not the men who are standing before me today. And so he decides to test them to see if they really have changed. And so he calls his steward to himself and he says, hey, put back their money in each of their sacks and send them off. And so they do that. And the brothers get a ways away and they go to feed their donkeys. And one of the brothers drops the sack, unties it and looks in. And he just stands there terrified. And the other brothers gather around him and they look in as they see 
a pile of silver sitting in their sacks and they all lose heart. They all become terrified and they say, what is this that God has done to us? They are trying to to blame God for, for their mistakes. How often are we like the brothers where we try to blame God for the things that we done for our mess ups and mistakes? The guilt that they have been carrying all these years is starting to rise to the surface and they can't squash it down anymore. And so they finish their journey back to the land of Canaan. They get to their dad's house and they tell him everything that's happened about how they were questioned about being spies, how they asked about uh, everything we were doing and threw us in prison and Simeon has to stay there in Egypt until we bring Benjamin and Joseph is just, or Jacob's just astonished by all of this. And then they all take their bags and they set them on the ground and they open them up and there in each sack is their money. And they all become terrified again and they don't know what to do. And so Reuben says, hey, let me take Benjamin back to Egypt real quick Show them that we're, we're all brothers. We'll get Simeon. We'll come back. And if I don't bring Benjamin back, if he's hurt or anything, you can kill my two sons, which is, I feel like a weird kind of trade. Like you, you lost your son. How about you kill your grandsons as repentance? Um, and so with Reuben's persuasive uh, reasoning, Jacob still says, no, it, you can't take Benjamin. And so some time passes and they run out of grain again. So Jacob comes and tells the boys to go back to Egypt, buy more grain, and Judah reminds him, without Benjamin, it's a wasted trip. They won't even let us in. There's no point in going. And so Jacob finally relents, and he says, you can take Benjamin, but take silver with you, double the silver that we took, take some gifts for this, for this Egyptian, and, and go on your way, maybe Maybe he'll be faith, or favorable to you. And so they make their way back to Egypt. And when they arrive, Joseph sees them coming. And so he tells his servants to have them meet him for lunch at his house. And so they're taken to his house. And the brothers think that they were brought there because this man wanted the silver that was put back into their sacks. He wanted to abuse them, to attack them, to seize them, and turn them into slaves and take their donkeys. But the steward says, hey, we, we received your money, the, 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 the silver in your bags. It's a treasure from your God. We're good. Calm down. It's okay. And so they wait for Joseph to come home for lunch, which must have seemed like hours as they wait in this man's house. And Joseph finally arrives, and he continues this ruse of being an Egyptian. He keeps using an interpreter, and he doesn't sit with his brothers because Egyptians didn't sit with Hebrews. And so he sits off by himself, and the brothers sit at a different table. And I think he had a little fun at this part because he, he sets them oldest to youngest, from Reuben at the one end to Benjamin at the other, but they've never mentioned who's the oldest. They just said we had another brother back home with dad. They didn't say he was the baby or anything. And so they're, they're freaking out a little bit. It's like, what does he know about us? What He sees everything. And so they sit there, and then when they serve food, is Benjamin is served five times as much as everyone else, which makes me think that Benjamin is like in high school. Uh, because if you have a high school, you know how much food they eat. Uh, and so we don't know that, but... 
but he has served five times as much as everyone else. And so they start to finally relax. They think, okay, he believes us. We're good. Everything's fine. And so they enjoy their lunch. But, but Joseph still isn't convinced. And so he has his steward once again put all their money back in their sacks. And in Benjamin's sack, he puts his silver cup that he was drinking out of. And they send them on their way the next day. Look at, at chapter 44, verse 4. says, they had not gone far from the city when Joseph said to his steward, go after those men at once, and when you catch them, say to them, why have you repaid good with evil? Isn't this the cup my master drinks from and also uses for divination? This is a wicked thing you have done. When he caught up to them, he repeated those words to them, but, but they said to him, why does my Lord say such things? Far be it from your servants to do anything like that. We even bought, brought back to you from the land of Cain the silver we found inside the mouths of the, our sacks. So why would we steal silver or gold from your master's house? If any of your servants is found to have it, he will die, and the rest of us will become my Lord's slaves. Now, just like, I feel like that was Reuben again. Like, we're, someone's gonna die. I don't, I don't care who it is, but I feel like Reuben's like, ready for someone to die. Uh, verse 10, very well then he said, let it be as you say. Whoever is found to have it will become my slave. The rest of you will be free from blame. Each of them quickly lowered his sack to the ground and opened it. And then the steward from there, he continues to go. And as Reuben takes his sack off the donkey, he sets it down, opens it up, and he sees a pile of silver and his countenance falls. And then Simeon is next to him, opens his sack and a pile of silver. Levi, same thing. Judah, same thing, and so on and so forth. And the whole time, they're thinking, God, please don't let the cup be in Benjamin's sack. Please don't. And it gets down to Benjamin. He takes it off the donkey, and he opens the sack, and there's a pile of silver, and next to the silver is the cup. And they tear their clothes, and they're in anguish, and they start walking back to Egypt. And when they arrive at Joseph's house again, look what he says in verse 15. Joseph said to them, what is this you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? What can we say, my Lord? Judah replied. What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servant's guilt. We are now, my Lord's slaves, we ourselves and the one who is found to have the cup. The guilt that they've been carrying all these years for the wrong that they have done has been eating away at them as they've been carrying that. And now they're thinking it's finally come to fruition. The, the wrong we did to Joseph, we are being repaid. But Joseph says, hey, I, I don't need all you guys to be slaves. I don't care about the money. I have plenty of it. I just want my cut back and the person who stole it from me. He goes, he'll be my slave. The rest of you guys, we're square. And it's at this moment that Judah pulls Joseph to the side and he starts to recount everything that's happened from the first time they met in Egypt at the first trip to, to going back and telling their dad about everything and how they needed to take Benjamin and how if they didn't bring Benjamin home, that their dad would surely die. 
And so Joseph is listening to his brother Judah say all this. The same brother who said, throw him in the pit and let's sell him and make some money. And we look at verse 33 at the end of Judah's plea. He says, now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. Judah offers his life for Benjamin's life. Where before he was the ringleader, now he's the one saying, don't, don't take him, take me. And it's at this moment that Joseph realized that his brothers have truly changed because each one of them would have traded their lives for Benjamin's life. He realized they stopped thinking about themselves and they started thinking of others. When they sold him in Egypt, they didn't care what their dad would feel or think. They didn't care how this would affect their family. But, but after seeing how Joseph, or Jacob reacted when he thought Joseph was dead, they see that, that it was different. And so they don't want to see their dad that way again. They, they don't want to think about just themselves like when they murdered an entire village or, or they were dishonest men is they've changed over these years and we learn that God can use guilt to bring about his glory. God used this guilt to bring about a change in their lives from who they were 20 years before. They didn't care about how their actions affected others, but now that's all they can think about. What guilt are, are you carrying around with you? What, what thing have you done towards someone that you will never receive forgiveness from? You think, they, they won't forgive me. If they knew this, I, I just, I can't let them know. But I, I have to hold on to this. This is who I am now. I'm going to own it. I'm going to hold it. What is that guilt? God can take our, our mess-ups and our mistakes, uh, our, our wrongdoings and poor decisions, and if we will give them to him, he can do greater things with them. But, but we have to let go of it first. We have to turn them over to God because you can't receive something if you're holding on to something else. And so the brother's guilt has come to a culmination and Joseph sees that they have changed and he can't hold it in any longer. He can't keep up the ruse and so he kicks all the Egyptians out of his house and he, they shut the doors and he starts weeping and wailing in front of his brothers. And they hear outside the home, Pharaoh's house hears of the commotion. And the brothers must be in, in total shock and dismay because Joseph starts speaking to them in their native language and says, I'm Joseph, how's my dad? And they just stand there like, what is going on? because they, they, they are not expecting this Egyptian ruler to speak their language because he's been using this interpreter. It's like when you go to another country and they're speaking a different language like Spanish or something and then all of a sudden they start speaking English to you and you're like, this could have been so much easier. Uh, it's that same thing. They are, they are, they are freaked out but, but they've never said that their brother's name was Joseph, the one who died. So how could this man know? And they're thinking back to the divination with the silver cup and he's been playing this ruse the whole time and so we get to verse 4 of chapter 45 and Joseph says this then Joseph said to his brothers come close to me 
And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Joseph's saying, look what God did. Look how God has worked all of this out. Look how he took my grief your guilt, and he's brought about salvation for many. Yes, you did wrong when you threw me in the pit and sold me to slavery. Yes, it was wrong that I was a slave and in prison, but God has used those things to bring about something so much greater than we could have ever imagined. And just like Joseph gives grace and forgiveness to his brothers, we learn that God gives us grace and forgiveness for the wrongs that we did. Because it was because of our sin that we were separated from God in the garden. It's because of our sin that we were taken to the cross, that, that Jesus went to the cross to bear our sins upon himself, to pay a debt that we could not repay for, a debt that he did not owe. It, it was our sins, it was our wrongdoings that he did that. And when he was on the cross, the story didn't end there. But three days later, when he rose from the grave, and he says, I, I forgive you and I'm coming back, is he gave us hope for our future. And he gives that to each and every one of us. No matter what our, our grief is in our lives, no matter what guilt we carry around us, he wants to offer us grace and forgiveness. He wants to take away the guilt. He wants to take away the grief from us, but, but we have to let go of it. We have to hand it over to God and, and turn it into him so we can receive his grace and forgiveness. Because like I said, it is, it's hard to receive something if your hands are already full of something else. He wants to give that to each of us. So what's the grief, uh, the hurt, and the pain that, that you are holding on to for all this time that, that you can't forgive someone for, that you can't let go that it was done to you? What's the wrong that you've committed towards someone else that, that you hold so tightly to and that guilt is eating away at you? Give them to God. He, he wants to bring healing to your life. He wants to bring hope to you. But you have to let go first. So, so will you? let go and let God do something greater in your life. Let me pray. God, we thank you for the story of Joseph and his brothers. And we see that, Lord, through, through terrible, hard times, you can do something so much greater. Lord, Joseph never imagined that when his brothers betrayed him, that, that he would be one of the most powerful people in the world at that time. Lord, that you would use him to save his family, or that you would work through his years of grief, through, through all the terrible things he experienced, Lord, which at the moment had to be awful. But Lord, looking back, he sees God use this for something better, for something bigger. Lord, and the brothers, as they, they carried this grief from their wrongdoing all this time, Lord, 
We know that, that no one is too far gone. Lord, that, that you wanna offer us grace and forgiveness. So Lord, I ask that we will let go of the grief and the guilt that we carry, Lord, and receive healing through grace and forgiveness. Lord, we ask that you would do something powerful in our lives, Lord, not just for us, but for others around us, Lord, that we will use those experiences to point people to you and how awesome you are. Lord, help us. Help us, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name.